hello, hello. Happy, or should I say, laissez, uh, what is it? Laissez les bon temps. Let the good times roll. Roll. That's, that's what you Yes. Let the good times roll. All right. That is, what it, that is what it means in French. Right. Well, we're coming I took up. six years of French. I don't know. I, I know. I know. Laissez bon temps en roulet. But you got the accent right. So do I. I took only two years of French. Très bien. After my Latin. We don't have a guest, so we'll get right into Call of the Wild up next. Then, around minute 15, incitement. Around minute 19, Olympic dreams. Around minute 33, movies we did not get to see. Around minute 35, what's new on DVD. Around minute 40, we'll talk about streaming and the film festivals around town. Around minute 45, we'll talk about Flanagan's Wake and the St. Louis Theater Circle Awards. And then we'll wrap up with what's coming up next week. All righty. So it's just Carl. It's just you and me this week because we had a guest have our, our, our planned guest have a calamity. Do we want to mention uh, all the people we asked, <laughs> or do you just you just want to move on? We'll move on. Okay. We have we? yeah we have our you know our cadre of regulars, but then we were going outside the box and it didn't work. It's okay. All righty. Well, another time. So it's just you and me, and okay. I think we've got most of the movies covered. Right. Um, what do you want to start with? The one we both saw or the one that I saw that is going to be the bigger the bigger film? Yeah, the big box office. Why don't you start with that? It's The Call of the Wild, and it is based on a 1903 Jack London novel. It's been made so many times. There's even a Peanuts that, like, you're in a nightmare, Charlie Brown, or something like that. Is is uh, Snoopy as the as Buck the sled dog? Oh, well, the the first one's Clark Gable, but that is not like really. Well, there's a silent film one too. Like, there are there are so many versions of this movie. Um, Call of the Wild. It's uh, it's 117 years old. So anything I say about it, is it really spoilery if I say <laughs> things? No, and everybody read it in school, didn't they? Well, no, but see that's. The thing about seeing the movies, that's a problem with seeing I'm not going to go see it. I'll just watch the movie. I'm not going to read the book. I'll watch the movie. No, because no, there, are, are, there aren't any versions of Carl of the Wild that are actually faithful to the book. <laughs> oh. oh. So, no. So, it's uh, set in Yukon in Canada and the United States. It actually takes place part of it in a city that I have been to Skagway when I was on a cruise and I went there and I had a great time and you saw all that it was a stop on their way up to go to the Yukon. So it takes place in the late 1800s and it's basically the story of this dog. It's it, the you think it's Harrison Ford is the because that's what they're promoting it as Harrison Ford is in this movie. He is. He's the narrator and he uh, tells the story of what's going on. And he is a he is a character in the movie, but he is not the lead. The lead is the dog. And a lot of people are um, confused about the dog because the dog is motion capture. It's not just it's it, it is a real dog, but it's also um, how do you say he has human emotions because they used somebody to uh, like Andy Circus yes, in the they, Planet of the Apes movies. They, they motion captured the dog's face. Uh, I, uh, actor and stunt coordinator Terry Notary stands in for the CGA creation of Buck, and it starts off with Bradley Whitford as a judge who has this 
crazy wild dog who's a big animal and then everyone knows to stay away from uh, Buck because Buck is first of all the judge's dog and second of all uh, he's rambunctious and big and huge so uh, Buck has to spend the night outside because he ruined the judges uh, there was they're having a party and they're all getting a picture and since it's like the turn of the century uh, it takes a long time to get everybody together and do a picture Meanwhile, Buck ate every single piece of food on that the they're having because, you know. and so Buck, he's a dog. Right. And so Buck is hanging outside, and Buck is stolen because they're handing flyers around town says, we need sled dogs. Play, pay big money. So Buck is shipped off to the north. And so he goes up there, and uh, Gold Rush, they're like, oh, he's a great thing. On the uh, ship on the way up to Alaska, uh, Buck learns the law of the club. This is They don't call it that, but that's what they called it in the book. So it's the law of the club. So Buck is afraid of humans now, and he's also afraid of getting beaten down because they do show the dog getting beaten out, which is lucky now for CGI because they didn't have to beat up a dog. <laughs> oh, my. But he's, he's bought by Omar Sy and uh, Kara G., and they work for the Canadian Post Office. And so they are, it's not really a sled dog. It's a sled team, but it's, they're delivering the mail. They're not doing uh, gold stuff. Okay, so that's a noble thing, delivering mail. Yes, so they're delivering the mail, and uh, there's a, the lead dog and buck don't get along. Oh, <laughs> But that, that, that's, that's part of, that's part of the book, too. Yeah. So that, that's part of the book. And so that's um, a big part of the book. The book is in like several sections. And so first it's like domesticated Buck and then Buck gets stolen. And then you learn how Buck has to be afraid of man. And then he's subservient. And then he he becomes alpha dog. And then... He starts leading the sled team. I'm not going to tell you all that. This, but it's faithful to the book that way. And then what happens is the Omar and Omar Sy is really good as this uh, uh, good mailman. Post office yeah, and guy. he and he loves his dogs. And the dogs show Buck how to sleep outside in the snow. Bury yourself in the snow, and you'll get warm. And Buck, it's really funny to watch Buck walk on snow for the first time because you know dogs dogs Walking freak out about that. I <laughs> and, know. And then there is Dan Stevens from I think he's from Downton Abbey. He is from Downton Abbey, and he's from Beauty and the Beast. Ah, he's the uh, he's the baddie. And then uh, Karen oh, Karen Gillan he likes playing bad guys. Well, Karen Gillan is in the scene for like. A second as his either his sister or his girlfriend. It doesn't. She's only in two scenes and probably has hmm. five lines total. And first of all, you can barely tell it's her. And in the book, they make a big, more big deal about them being this couple. There are three of them. They think they've got they've got a found map and they're going to save her and they're going to get the money and they're going to do all that. And yeah, like uh, just like uh, yeah, get rich quick people. Right, exactly. And the in the book opportunists in the book they uh, like they throw away essential supplies at, to keep their uh, Dom Perignon. And actually, Karen Gillan's sitting on a, a case of champagne. So it's it's just silly. But they they allude to that. So that's faithful to the book. But they don't dive into it. And so. Harrison Ford as uh, John Thornton, who is a major character in the book, he actually uh, he saves Buck, and he tries to save the other dogs too, but it is uh, not good. And so, therefore, uh, Hal, played by Dan Stevens, and John Thornton become lifelong enemies because uh, Hal thinks that John has ruined his chance at 
happiness or whatever. Riches. And they don't. And so he's the he's the antagonist for the rest of the film, which is kind of like the thing because can you spoil a 117 year old book that most of the people have read but i'm guessing i'm not a lot of I, i'm saying I millennials haven't of, read not, it the new generation i don't think is has to well read it. han solo dies again in this oh, movie man. because he's with chewbacca 2.0 which is buck <laughs> so what we have here is uh you i'm not going to tell you how but in the book like the locals the the Eskimos, the the tribal people up there. So it's kind of they change that what for do they the call Inuits. Uh, but I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how they how they do it because, um, let's see, how I I don't know that because it was the, it was written in 1903. So I don't know if it was the uh, that's how it was. Let's see. Hold on. I'm, I'm looking it up. Tribe. Yeah, they, they it's kind of racist. So, <laughs> um, yeah. let's see what was it, the background. There are so many characters in this. Um, I once judged a, a film festival up there. Native American Yeehats is what they are called. Okay. I, okay. I I don't know. They, they don't prominent. They are not in this movie at all. And so Buck and John Thornton find this place that has a lot of gold. And so they just need to. They need to be found. And Dan Stevens needs to do. This is this is where it uh, diverts from the book. A, okay. li- a little bit because Buck starts to see other wolves and other animals. And so therefore it's uh, then he go, as I said before, he went from domestic to be afraid of man to being each each step of the way to becoming a wild animal. And then he starts his own brood and he's the alpha male of everything and he becomes a wild animal. And so that's it. Okay. I've I've told you basically the whole movie, but I haven't told you a lot of the things. And what are what uh, it's upsetting to huh? seeing the dogs make the silly human faces. It's not like you know when people were mad at Sonic the Hedgehog for having a human yeah. mouth. They're not mad at Buck having a human face or human expression. It's sometimes it's unnerving and sometimes it works. You know how. I, I would compare it to, you know how people think Polar Express, they have dead eyes? Yeah. There are times when Buck and the other animals have dead eyes, but then there are other times that they're very expressive. So we're, our, our CGI has gotten so much better in the last 30 years. Yeah. That Oh, yeah. Well, that's true. So, so what, what but, but is it engaging, though, as a story? It's for kids. It's PG. It's PG even though uh, people get killed and there's, I don't think there are... I don't think there's smoking in it, but there is drinking and there are several not nice characters, but there are more there are more positive characters, including the dogs, than there are. And like in the book, the dogs all have names and it's like Omar Sy's character, uh, Perot, Perrault, Perot, that's how you'd say it in French. Um, he he introduces every single dog and I I. Couldn't, and they just say it once, and then they never talk about the dog's names again, except for the uh, the main dog. So you never know if those are the right names or all. Uh, Spitz is the only other dog. He's the main antagonist of the uh, of the postal carrier section of the thing. So it's, it's just how far is this from Snow Dogs? <laughs> oh no, no, no! But it's only eighty five minutes long. Yeah, it's short. People love dogs. I know movies. they love dogs. Oh no, it's it this says it's a hundred minutes, so 
it felt a lot shorter than that. What was the audience reaction? Um, they laughed when they were supposed to. They were happy when they were supposed to be happy. They were sad when they were supposed to be sad. But it was, you know, it, whose studio is this? This is oh oh this is funny. Back when uh, they first made the movie, it was the first movie for Twentieth uh, Century Fox. This is the first movie of Disney's Twentieth Century oh, films. Okay, so it's not it's not Fox. It's not 20th Century Fox, and it does start with the uh, the uh, fanfare at the beginning of the movie, but it's not 20th Century Fox. It's just 20th Century. Oh. But wouldn't it be 21st Century? No, it's yeah. 20, 20th Century Studios. Yeah. I don't know why they're still keeping that, but I do like that fanfare. Okay, so the 1935 adaption, uh, 20th Century Pictures, before they merged with Fox. So it this was the last film and the first film of the new 20th Century Pictures. So... <sighs> it's it's a thing. It it'll get the kids. But but will he? Will it? Will it get the kids? Will Do the kids parents? care about Call of the Wild? Well, parents will go. Oh, we Harrison take Ford. The kids. Yeah, it's a dog no, movie. It's a dog movie. Well, and Harrison Ford looks like David Letterman with a much uh, better kept beard. <laughs> He's been making the talk show circuit. He was hilarious on Jimmy Kimmel the other night talking about. Uh, you know, killing off Han Solo. And then killing off uh, John Thornton. He didn't really... He, well, they, of course he's not going to say that, because there are people that don't know that he's, you know, doing that. Right, right. Well, he talked about being a carpenter in Hollywood. Right, and, before he started. And, and, and Jimmy Kimmel says, oh, did you charge famous people more? And he has his coffee, you know, or his drink and he goes looks and he wouldn't you <laughs> so it was it was fun and they showed a picture of him really skinny building sergio mendez's oh, studio wow nice. yeah i guess that a&m studio remember yeah back when herb alpert had all that and, well you don't because you weren't alive i was not alive but i know those but, names yeah but it was a skinny harrison ford being a carpenter I like that. And yeah, I know cuz that's how he survived mm-hmm. when he Oh, and he this is a hilarious story. He was a manager at the first Crate and Barrel in Chicago. Wow. And he got fired for coming back from lunch late. Oops. And that was when they still had things in crates and barrels. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember that cuz I remember going to the first Crate and Barrel store and going, "Wow, this is really cool. There there are crates and barrels." <laughs> but isn't that funny yes. that that's what he was? He was a manager at Crate and Barrel at the first Chicago, the flagship store on so Michigan Avenue. I do anyway. like Chris Sanders who directed this movie. He directed Lilo and Stitch and he also oh. directed the first How to Train Your Dragon. So and he oh. also directed The Crudes, which I did not care for, but it was okay. Uh, no, it's not. It wasn't really, you know. It's crude. It wasn't good, but it was not. But it's, it's interesting that Chris Sanders hasn't really, that he's only directed four films. So, mm-hmm. but, well, but, 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 and three of them are, are, okay, two of them are really good. <laughs> well, moving on to somebody who doesn't direct very often, the guy who directed Incitement, Euron Zilberman is his name. Okay. Let me get, and he directed... The Late Quartet, remember that movie was one of Philip Seymour Hoffman's last movies. He's married to Catherine Keener yeah, yeah, yeah. and Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. It's not a really good movie. But this guy, uh, that's the last movie he directed, and that was 2012. Wow. So he does this incitement, and it is the it was the Israel submission to the Academy Awards for International Feature. It didn't make the five nominations. It didn't make the cut. cut. But it, it made the shortlist, didn't it? Yeah. And uh, it's very good. It is very interesting because 
I don't really understand everything about the Mideast conflict. Mm-hmm. I don't know who does. But this is about the assassin of Itzhak Rabin. Oh, yes. And it helped me because I saw the play Oslo last year, which is about the Oslo Accords in mm-hmm. 1993, which was going to have peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Oh, of course it was. So this movie gets into the head of the assassin, and his name was Yigar Amir. Amir. Mm-hmm. And he is played by this really good actor named Yehuda Nahari. And he uh, it shows the uh, transition from a hot-headed political activist. He's a law student. Mm-hmm. He's an Orthodox Jew and turns into this disillusional ultra-nationalist He's in jail. that, <laughs> that uh, winds Tries up to, killing the, the leader and so, which he does because he kills because he him. kills Rabin. Yeah, in uh, November fourth, nineteen ninety five. So it shows his family. He's got a normal family. He's got this girlfriend. He starts weaponizing. He he starts rallying people with his same crazy view. He finds this law of the law of the pursuer, and he thinks he has the right to kill Rabin. And also, it shows that the people that are against this peace treaty think that that land is their God-given right Well, yeah, from the holy book. It's that holy land. Yeah, and so therefore, they're not having none of this peace treaty. So it just shows how whack he gets from going from, you know, I'm just promising law student at age 25 to this ruthless, crazed killer. And uh, I found that very fascinating. And it's in Hebrew, so you have to read it. Any English? Not really. No. No. It's um, none, none to speak of. No. And it's a two hour movie, but it's like a thriller and it keeps you, it, it's very compelling. It keeps you going. I found it very interesting. And also because it shows fanatics and how violence, uh, you know, that's a method of fanaticism, but it's not really a good method. And it <laughs> makes you think of the today's world because 25 years ago we wouldn't even have been thinking about this no. but now we are because well, this was a this was a historical film now like will they show this in schools is it historically accurate do you I know? think so yeah they show um archival footage it's very well researched it's very uh i think it's very well done for people who are familiar with it and people who aren't it's only playing at plaza frontenac well, of course but it was it it won the israeli academy award for best film mm-hmm. the ophir award for best picture yes and i did not put that in my review but that's okay but yeah so it's playing so i, I mean, it's um, been out it's been out it was in toronto film festival back in september and then it's been in israel since september so yeah, it just came out in the U.S. January 31st, and we're getting it now. Or maybe it's, I'm, it's rolling I'm out. Well, just like uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. That's not going to be out for a couple more weeks. Yeah. But so now we get to watch her screener. <laughs> <laughs> just like, right. I like this time of year. We get to see recycle the mov- things. See the movies that we've already not seen that we were supposed <laughs> yeah. to have watched? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hear that one's good. And now the film we've both seen. Yes. Olympic Dreams is uh, not what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> no, it wasn't. I liked a lot of it, and then some I didn't like. Well, and so we'll talk about it's, that. It's uh, it's Nick Kroll, and people are they either love Nick Kroll or they don't love Nick Kroll. I 
there are times I really, really like, like Big Mouth is great. Oh, hello is great. The stuff he does with John Mulaney, I really, really love. I do too. And and, and he he helped with the league. He was on the league for years. Well, yeah, that was his deal. And he just did. I haven't seen that animated Adams Family, but he's Uncle Fester, right? And he and I and I I really want to like Nick. I was not a fan. I didn't get into. It's not that I wasn't a fan of it. I didn't get into Crawl Show on no. Comedy Central. But a lot of those characters that he has done have. Been from that, like the John Mulaney Oh Hello characters. Though that was the thing from Kroll Show, and that and that was great. It was on Broadway, and they filmed it, and it was for Netflix. Oh Hello, but and then the Big Mouth stuff. I love that stuff, but this movie is not what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a documentary, Nick Kroll interviewing people about what was going on because it they filmed it. Gorilla, they. I. It looks like it's guerrilla style, but it's not guerrilla style because they had permission. They had permission, and it is written and directed by Jeremy Tech Tyker Teicher. Yeah, that's. What I, I'm not sure, but but he's only done a few movies. Well, and he's married to Alexi Pappas. Oh, he is. They are married, and oh. they came up with the story. She's a, she's actually an Olympic athlete for Greece. For Greece, and she is. She is an Olympic athlete, and she has done in the Olympics. So I'm guessing while she was in the Olympics years ago, she said, you know, maybe this would be a good thing. But she's also done movies, too. So she's an athlete, and she's uh, Greek-American, and she has done films. And so she has uh, the pedigree to do all this. She was she wrote—what did she write? Oh, she wrote uh, Tall as the Boab Tree. Boab Tree. Right. Uh, and then Speed Goggles, I don't know of, and then Track Town, which they all sound like their movie <laughs> about sports. Well, they all uh, they all did the script. This script is very improvised, but what I like, because I love the Olympics. Mm-hmm. Since 1968, I have watched every single Olympics. Really? Yeah. Winter and summer? Yes. Even Even in 1980 when we boycotted? Yes. No. Did they show those? No, they didn't. I didn't see that. I'm talking about... I covered actually. I covered Craig Virgin, the Olympic. Uh, he would have won a gold medal had he been able to go to eighty. I covered his whole stuff. But anyway, mm-hmm. that's a long story, long time ago. So and people don't. Yeah, that's. Oh, but anyway, ever since I mean, I've watched the televised portions. Mm-hmm. That one I didn't watch. Maybe I found out who you know a couple things here and there, but. I love watching, and I'm not saying I watch every single second because how right, can you right. do that? But it's impossible. I, yeah, I love watching. It's just you know. And it, then when I was teaching journalism, I found out that no, none of these kids watch the Olympics anymore. And I'm like, oh my, they God. don't. No, I couldn't believe it because yeah, you know, we had a Simone Biles mm-hmm. and and well, they know who uh, she is. Yeah, it's just like, but they what? just don't. They don't. They don't, watch. they don't tune in like. You know, back in the day when it was Jim McKay and 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 you and know, name defeat and and it just was fabulous. They'd have those, you know, everybody tuned in at mm-hmm. night, and it was you know the thing. And I was getting ready for college, and you'll love this, Mark Spitz. You know, he did yes. win the eight medals, and so we were all because you know I was seventeen. Mm-hmm. We were all like, "Oh, Mark Spitz." He's on the cover <laughs> of Weedy. And I was shopping for my college stuff, and I bought a. A, a towel that looked exactly like his at the Olympics. <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah. that was the kind of thing. But anyway, and then then we had the uh, Munich. 
Mm-hmm. The athletes, and then I was too young Miracle was on Ice, baby. which, by the way, Miracle on Ice deemed the greatest sports moment of the 20th century by Sports Illustrated is having its 40th anniversary yeah, on Monday. Math, because it was the Winter Olympics; it was 40 years ago. Right. So that, but, so, but but then again, that now it's changed because they used to have the Summer and the Winter Olympics in the same years, and now they have spread right. them out. So that is a thing. Mm-hmm. You know, the difference. Um, so this Pyeongchang, or actually Pyeongchong, if you want to be specifically correct. South Korea, the Olympics in 2018. 2018. And the the access here is remarkable. They, they were granted access on a, an arts grant. The first feature film to be filmed in there, because, you know, they've done documentaries. Right, right, right. But see, and that's what I thought this was going to be. Once I heard about it, and then I realized, oh, it's a rom-com. It is. It's it's, it's a rom-com. And it's got a lot of cliches for rom-coms. And the run, it's not a run to the airport. It's a run to the bus station. Well... It feels so improvised, that, but it is. That it is improvised. Crazy. Why? But then when she's talking to uh, Maggie, who is played by another real Olympian, there's athlete, a lot of real Olympic athletes in this movie. Morgan Schild is plays her a friend that she just meets in the hallway. She has like two or three. Good, one one scene is really good, and then uh, Gus Kenworthy, another Olympic. He's he won a silver medal, and and he's an actor now. Well, yeah, and he's got a and he uses his real life in this movie, which is also very funny. He did he win in no, he won in he won in Sochi. At the end of the credits, they mm-hmm. have all the athletes listed, their sport and their country. Right. So what I found interesting about this is Nick Kroll plays a volunteer dentist. When do you see movies about a dentist? You know, he's handing out the marathon man. And, well, yeah, but I just thought that was charming. Wasn't Will Ferrell a dentist in uh, in one of his films? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I don't see all of his, but uh, uh, I found that interesting. And they meet cute, and I found the the cafeteria scenes good. I loved when they went out on the town. Yes, and and that was so fun. But it's a not satisfying romance. At the end, you're like, this is it? I just felt really let down. Well, it's it's very rom-com-y. And it, it says, and it's very, there are moments that are funny. It, it's really weird that uh, Alexi, who's playing Penelope, she doesn't have any friends. Yeah. That's weird. That is weird. And, another and then thing she is, becomes friends with Maggie and then they never hang out once. No, because she's like, can we be friends after the Olympics? And then they never hang out. Well, another thing is, too, I would think just I have limited knowledge of Olympic athletes. Yes. And my friend Kring Virgin is an Olympic athlete. But <laughs> they have trainers and coaches. Exactly. She has and, no and friends, one. And on your team. And she's like all alone, like not even a family member is there. And she has, when her event is. She's so lonely. It is. They're both two, like they're strangers in a strange land. And I, and that premise always works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, someone said it's like a lost in translation. I'm like, no, it's not. No, <laughs> it's not because it's not as good. And also it's just different. But I like the 
the inside look when when she's looking at the opening ceremonies and the flash of the fireworks and then also when they're when they're kind of on the when they're walking around and the skaters are rehearsing and the big ski jump is there mm-hmm. that is really fascinating the access that they had yes. was very impressive and i love that part the and whole I, part about and, the olympics and that's another thing like they shoot her nearly naked a lot of times i'm like oh that's interesting. That was like one of the first shots of her hanging up on the wall. But then again, that's how the Olympians are. They're they're very comfortable with their bodies. They're professional athletes. But also, when Nick Kroll's uh, Ezra, Dr. E, keeps uh, talking, it's great because when he's a dentist, he gets to actually talk. This is the behind-the-scenes footage because it's all improvised. They just filmed him talking to these athletes, and they're all talking about the unwritten rule about Olympic Village. It's a sex orgy there. They're just all having sex together and the guys, these 20-year-old snowboarders, they're, they don't <laughs> come out and say it, but they allude to it very much. And so I thought they were going to get into that because everyone, you hear about these athletes because they're athletes and they all, they're all perfect specimens of the human condition and the human body and they're all just having sex with each other. That, that they don't get into that at all. No, they show that one party, but it's just basically her and Gus, right? And they don't really show anything. Else. Well. <laughs> but when when he asks the snowboarders if they're doing all right and the looks on their faces, yes. <laughs> because that, that's what you always hear about. Oh yeah, they, they free condoms, they're running out. But I thought there would be more of that, and it's it just seemed disingenuous to me. Because, Although she was there, maybe that's how she wanted to feel. Maybe you feel like you're alone there and you don't have your friends or family or trainers or with you because he does, uh, Dr. E does interrupt her while she's eating and she is before her event and she needs to get in the zone. So she blows him off. And so maybe it was more about the feeling of being alone. That makes me think it a little better of the movie, but. It, it's not practical because no. after her event's over, first of all, she's there for another week and then she still doesn't have anybody. It's so scattershot. That's what drove me nuts. I gave it a B minus and, and it pained me to do that because I wanted to like this movie so much more. And it's it's what they had. They used really well. And it seems guerrilla style filmmaking, but it's not. They had they had permission. And they, they even say that, hey, you know, we're not supposed to be in here. Of course, they, they had permits. They were allowed to film in there. But that the poster of them in front of the giant ski lift or the giant slalom and them at the stadium in front of the Olympic torch, that is, it's beautiful. It is beautiful. It's it's just, it's the majesty. It's, you know, they're overwhelmed by their surroundings. And I you feel what and, they feel. And Gus keeps telling her that, like, because she feels down about herself. Because she didn't do well. But you're an Olympic athlete. There are not that many people that can say that. And so he keeps trying to say, hey, you're a part of this, so feel better about yourself. And he's right. We're not Olympic athletes. Yeah, no. The training that goes involved in it. And, and, and they also the don't show that. They yeah. also don't show that. They, the crossroads that they're at, like she wants to know, is she should she devote four more years? Because well, it she's, is grueling. She's, she's, said she she's missed, playing 22. She's almost 30, but right. she's playing 22. And she's talking about how she's, you know, her whole life she missed all the homecomings, everything. Right, that's a good to scene. Compete. And they're, uh, they're on a bus. Right. It is a good scene. And then he. Was it a bus or a subway? He, 
Yeah, one it, it of those trains. Right. I, it, I think it was a, a form of, those, of transit. Yeah, and so one they were doing. But also the fact that uh, he's she, got that girlfriend, ex girlfriend, ex fiance, and that's weird because he. He has this connection with her, but he backs off. Right. But they're on a break. Right. And he's playing younger, too. He's playing 37. Yes. <laughs> he's in his 40s. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there's that age difference there. Well, yeah. And that's that's one of the things he feels weird about. It's just there are a lot of things going on in this movie. And it's not that long. It's like an hour and 25 minutes. Right. Right. It's like 80. Yeah. Like 87 minutes. 83. 83. So uh, I I think you should see it. Just to see it. If you are a fan of the Olympics, you'll love it. Like a friend of mine who just, she's going to the uh, Japan Olympics. Nice. Yeah. So. Well, her son lives over there in Tokyo. That's easy. Yeah. So, yeah. um, But it's kind of cliche and it's not, it's, I wonder how many hours of film that they shot because it was all, it was uh, improv. They just said, here's what we need to do in this scene. Very Larry David Curb Your Enthusiasm type not as good well no not as good at all <laughs> yeah so i just i just was let down and i want i just wanted to like it it was charming there's so much charm in this movie yes and they just squandered it hmm. that ending is not satisfying for anybody well there there's there's the hope of satisfaction near the end well all right, so yeah. Lynn and I did not go see the true mob movie. It, it's it's an Italian story about a guy who turns state's evidence. Sicily. And he, it's, it's a real story. It's called The Traitor. We didn't see it. Uh, Dan saw it, and he said it was fine. Two and a half hours. It's two and a half hours, but the Godfather. This is well, I know, but and I, I am fascinated by the mob, aren't you? Especially the the. Would it be Costa Nostra Nostra in 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 the United States? Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, I would like it. It just was a, but it's an Italian. But and you know what, the Italians. This is based on a true case. The judges were murdered. Yes, (laughs) but and he lived out his life, but. I mean, he died of cancer, but he still lived his life. They, and they, the mob killed two of his kids, at least. I, I, wow. I, I'm because he was married several times. I, I know a lot about this story because I wanted to see the film, but I, I didn't get to. And then also, they didn't screen uh, Brahms, the boy, too. I didn't know what that. I don't was. even know what that was, and apparently, it's a sequel. Well, no, because you can have films that are named the. Second and aren't really the second. Yeah, that's true. Well, next week we're going to have some, uh, we have quite a few links for next week. And then Emma, which our friend Max is sponsoring, that's the remake of the Gwyneth Paltrow uh, movie. I guess just a remake of a well, Jane Austen. Right. It's not, you know, it's, a, it's still a Jane Austen movie, but uh, Dan, did, Dan did not care for it. No. He, he thought it was a... Uh, a snooze, but it's got Bill Nye in it. I don't think anything with Bill Nye, or I don't even know how you say his last name. Bill Nye. No. But anything with him in it, you're I'm in. there. You're in, and they're screening that for us uh, next Monday, so we'll see it next week. Yes. All well, right, on DVD right now, you have A Beautiful Day in the Neighborhood, which was very disappointing. Yes. And much better is Jojo Rabbit. I think people that were a, 
afraid of seeing Jojo Rabbit might watch it on DVD now. Yes, I think it's going to find a whole new audience and they're going to find out how... It's not what you thought it was. No, and how good it is. And then 21 Bridges with uh, Chadwick Boseman. <laughs> Chadwick Boseman. It's a classic 70s, 80s type police procedural, correct? Sure. I, I, I never saw it. No, but uh, it's better than you think it is, but it's not going to win any awards. Uh, but award season's over, so we don't And then Midway, that. which is... World War II. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway. It's the big thing. And it's done by Mr. Independence Day, Roland Emmerich. Oh, nice. Well, still didn't see you it. You know, he's still hit and miss. Right, and care. then Frankie. Which I heard was terrible. <laughs> but we didn't see it. We and then streaming, it. talking about films that... Uh, people hopefully find that missed it the first time queen and slim is out i was very impressed with queen and slim oh i was so impressed with it i had no idea it's written by lena Waithe, who is the first female african-american female to win, to win an, an emmy, emmy for writing master of masters of none was that right, right. And, and she's uh, also on uh insecure right on hbo and it's directed by Melina McCrow. It's a it's a woman. So it's written and directed by women, and it stars. Uh, it's a great debut for Jodie Turner Smith. She is really good in this movie. Oh, so good. And then Daniel Kaluuya. You forget how good of an actor he is till you see him on screen, and he just makes it look effortless. Mm-hmm. But this, Jody, it's Jodie Turner Smith's movie. Yes, but he is a good anchor for her. Yes. They're on their first date and it goes horribly, horribly wrong. Yes. <laughs> and it, it has to do with uh, pro- racial profiling. It does. And then it, I love what I love about it is how they're learning when you are learning, too. They don't know anything that's going on. They and they just want to be done with it. Right. And it's a it's a night that changes their lives forever. Well, yeah. <laughs> Melina Matsukas. Oh, Matsukas. I knew it wasn't Mercury. That's uh... Uh, Frozen 2. Uh, well, let's talk about that when it's out on DVD. Cause yeah, I still... It's coming out on DVD next week. Okay, because I the still, it's, it's streaming right now, but, and I still love the Panic of the Disco version rather than the uh, uh, Idina Menzel version of it. I do too. I have, I downloaded the, the, uh, uh, panic at the disco. And now they are going to, Ryan Johnson and Daniel Craig say there will be a sequel to Knives Out. Yeah. Now I've heard, okay, so I like Knives Out. I didn't love Knives it, Out. I would, I'd be happy with the sequel for Knives Out. Right. I thought it, it needed some little work, but I enjoyed the people in it. I enjoyed the story. I kept me guessing. Uh, I thought Daniel Craig sounded like Foghorn Leghorn. And that's fine. And uh, some people, but he com- was a smart detective. Well, you know, now that it's oh, it's a wider release and people are seeing it, they're coming up to me and, and they're going, "Did you like Knives Out?" Because <laughs> I think it was built up so much, people thought it was going to be better than it is. Although it's just, it's fine. It's just not. I think people were expecting something different. And well, a lo- did they they think it was going to be a murder mystery with a big twist? It's not. It's not a big twist. It's just. That's the person that did it. <laughs> right. And then... And it's full of big stars. Right. Which is good. Uh, some people have expressed to me that they were annoyed by Daniel Craig's uh, accent. He's playing a character. So right. what? You, you want him to be James Bond for the rest of his life? He's no. not going to be. He's going to be in for one more movie no. and then he's done. <laughs> 
And that looks really good. April 10th, right? Yes. The Billie Eilish song dropped. Is it No Time to Die? Is that sure. the name of it? I don't know. Very good song. Okay. Really good song. And so then I like I, some of her songs. I don't like all of her songs. Right. Well, I uh, went to uh, listen to the download and then I also watched the preview. It's not directed by who's directing this one. It's not Sam Mendes because he was doing 1917. Right. But anyway, that's the James Bond movie coming out April 10th, so we have to wait. But I'm okay with seeing Daniel Craig again. I thought it was kind of fun because he seemed to be, like, slumming. And Lakeith Stanfield... But he's not. No. And Lakeith Stanfield was in it Mm -hmm. as one of the police officers, and the other guy was goofy as all get out. And it was enjoyable. And who doesn't like Christopher Plummer or Jamie Lee Curtis? Oh, it's directed by Carrie Joy... uh... Oh, who I love. He's the guy that did uh, Beasts of No Nation. He did the, uh, the first, first season of True Detective. True Detective, which was the best. And he did... Uh, he did Jane Eyre in uh, 2011. Yeah, but he's done other things, too. He's so good. So, so good. Oh, this will be good. Beasts of No Nation. That yeah. was... You know. Oh, uh, Idris Elba should have been nominated uh, for an Oscar. His, he's terrifying in that film. He is terrifying in it, but the fact that it was well, Netflix. It was Netflix. That's when they didn't, and then somebody else got nominated that shouldn't have been. But that happens. <laughs> really? Does yeah, that happen? that happens. So streaming, we also have the new Al Pacino first time ever TV show, I guess, Hunters. Yeah, because he's, he's in love with Netflix now, so... So, but this is Amazon. Oh, but yes, but he once he realized that the money he could make after doing working for a streaming company, he, he's he's okay with it now. Yeah. Well, it dropped last night, and I will do a shout out to a local actress, Meadow Knee. She's from O'Fallon, Illinois, and uh, she is in the seventh episode. Okay. She's been in bit parts in Law and Order, SUV, SVU. Mm-hmm. The Blacklist and Madam Secretary, well, and then. I directed her in a play once. <laughs> anyway, she was the Illinois State Music Theater Award winner in 2012, and she got to go to the Jimmy's Ooh. in New York City and appear on a Broadway stage. She went to O'Fallon Township High School, and I love watching her work. And she's a beautiful girl, and she's very multi-talented. She went to Indiana University and majored you? in um, music theater. So I wish her the best. And so anyway. Episode seven. Well, you have to watch the first six first. I know. That's what I'm going to do. And then if you are a Netflix movie person, you only have till March 3rd to watch one of my favorite movies. And I think, Carl, this is one of your favorite movies, too. Zodiac. Zodiac. It's about the Zodiac Killer. And it's brilliant. And it's by David Fincher. And it has Mark Ruffalo, Robert Downey Jr., and Jake Gyllenhaal. Tremendous. Yeah, so so if you've never seen this movie, you have to go watch it. Now. I'm telling you now. And then speaking of classics, Hitchcock, if you do not know Hitchcock, this is your time now. There's going to be four Hitchcock movies in a row in the classics on the lo- in the loop at the Tivoli. Mondays starting this Monday, February 24th. They show them at four and they show them at seven. And it's going to be... The Man Who Knew Too Much. Great with, film. Yes, with Jimmy he remade Stewart. It. He remade it. Oh, so it's the second one. Yeah. 
It's the second one with Doris Day singing Gay Sarah Sarah. And then March 2nd is the 39 Steps. It's the legit one, not the goofy comedy play, right. which is still really funny. March 9th is one of my favorite strangers on a train. So good and so chilling. And it's in black and white. And if you have never seen this movie, you have to because it's so copied. The worldwide copies of this movie. And then the classic Vertigo is March 16th with that. I just find that movie very creepy. It is. And Jimmy Stewart and Kim Novak. And then we go to other classics. The Wizard of Oz, March 23rd. You want to see it on the big screen in color. And then March 30th, Breakfast at Tiffany's. April 6th is Steamboat Bill Jr. And then... One of my top five films of all time, April 13th, is Casablanca. So if you have never seen these on a big screen, this is your time to do so. Another thing coming up is the St. Louis Science Center and Cinema St. Louis are teaming up for their third annual Sci-Fi and Fantasy Film Festival on May 1st. They got a theme this year, Mega Monster Movies is the focus and if you want to make a film, you have until March 15th to submit it. So if you go to cinemastlouis.org, you can find out all the submission requirements. And it would be a really fun thing. They're going to show them on the Omnimax Theater, which is awesome. And then Hollywood news, we have The Jesus Rolls is coming out. It's the sequel to... Big Lebowski. Is it really a sequel to Big Lebowski, though? Or is it like a side story? Yeah, I don't know. But but then it's... they don't want us to know anything. They just want us to go, oh, this is a sequel to Big Lebowski. So we'll all we'll figure it out. We'll all figure it out when it comes out. Yeah, but it's basically, uh, Pete thinks it's just going to go to streaming. Oh, really? Yeah. It got a 59% on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I think they showed it to a bunch of the big critics because they're all kind of giving it mixed reviews. Yeah. And it's supposed to come out. February 28th, but we've had no screening. So I asked him if we were going to have a screening, and he said no. And he goes, it looks like it's just going to be streaming. Oh. Well, there's also theater going on in the town. And you know that we love the theater. Um, did you? I didn't get to see Rent or Riverdance, or, but we're going to go see the band's visit next week, yes. and that should be good. I also went to Flanagan's Wake the other day. And I I sent a message to our friend Alan Noel, and I said, hey, I'm bringing 10 friends to come out and see you. And he's like, I'm doing Shakespeare right now, and I'm coming back. Because like, it's there for a couple months. Yeah, it's there until the March 21st. Because they want to get St. Patrick's Day in there. Nice. And it's it takes it's a wake of... It's a wake. It's an Irish wake. It's an Irish wake, and they sell Jameson. <laughs> they have three things at the bar on stage. They have Jameson, Guinness... And Jameson, so <laughs> no harps. No, Darn no, they it. don't. They do. They did have this uh, uh, a beer from Colorado with this nitro thing. It was really good. I had I had one or two of those. And the gentleman that plays the priest, Alan Knoll, was playing the priest. But the guy that they haven't, Patrick Blansour, he tells this amazing joke that I'd never heard before and I'm going to use it I'm not going to use it now I'll let him use it and because I want you to go see this play because it's really funny and it it is a he plays the priest and it is a it's a Jesus joke so <laughs> and they and then the the one 
person that plays the grandma or the mama, she's funny. He's funny. And then the 30-year fiance and his Jennifer best friend. Jennifer Quinn. Oh, yeah. I saw her last night. She was really good. Did you She's see this? She's very good. No, I did not. I had but another you know, reviewer. But you know everybody that's in this play. Right. And Patrick, She's very good. And Teresa Doggett is in it. She's one of the older people in it. She, actually, I said to my wife that she reminded us of you. <laughs> She reminded us of you on stage, and uh, she's uh, she's with one of the matriarchs of the town. And then there's people at the bar, and then there's the brother of the fiance, and then there's the piano player. And it is it's really and it's it's like Tony and Tina's wedding, but it's about a wake. Yes, and they serve booze. <laughs> yeah, and it's very Irish. It's very and, Irish, and it has the Irish uh, musicians playing and and everything. Teresa is a is an award winning costumer. Really? Yes, she has done her all, costumes really good too. Uh, she has done Union Avenue Opera mm-hmm. for years, and she did all the. Tennessee Williams, well, not all the Tennessee Williams festivals. She's done uh, a few things, but she does uh, Max and Louie productions, mm-hmm. and and she's won some of our St. Louis Theater Circle awards. She's also won for acting. Jennifer Thebe Quinn has won uh, several of our St. Louis Theater Circle awards for acting, and she's up again this year. And uh, Patrick Blindsauer, he is up for his Shakespeare St. Louis. In the park, Forest okay. Park. He was in Love's which is, Labor's Which is Lost. why Alan's not there. He's doing Shakespeare. And so his Shakespeare, because Alan has done both of those, yeah. too. And so Patrick. It's, it's Patrick's, a, uh, he was at the Muni last year, right? Right. And he does the Muni. He was in 1776, and he was the coach in Footloose. Okay. Yeah. And he's been in a couple uh, things. So I'm glad. He, he's like the, he's not the singer. He's like a strike guy right. in Muni parts, like he was in 42nd Street. But his day job is uh, writing crossword puzzles for the New York Times. Wow. Isn't that fun? Like Will, and he went Will to Shorts? Webster. Yeah. And he went to, uh, and he does that too. And he went to Webster. And I have a feature article about him that if you Google it, Pat, take 10 with Patrick Blindsauer. You can read all about him. And I might be doing one with Jennifer Thebe Quinn. Oh, really? Yes, who I've long admired for her work on stage. And I uh, was this close to her last night. And, like, she's got all these, uh, these she's got these tattoos on her arms. I'm like, wow, I didn't even notice that. And she's like, it's called costuming. <laughs> <laughs> and one of my friends is like, oh, you have such as tattoos? I'm like, no, it's just the fact that I didn't notice them. And because that that's not her character. Uh, it start this play started in Ohio and it's been running in Chicago for thirteen years. And yeah. so it's like a thing. Yeah, Chicago. Well, Chicago holds those in their theaters, you know, because they're the ones with to- Tina and Tony's wedding, and they've had the Blue Man Group forever in its own theater. So Chicago's like that. But I would see that this would be gold. This would be just it was fun gold. And I love listening to Irish accents. Uh, Jen was in Dancing at Lufnasa, or however you say that Irish place. So of course she has a really good one. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but no, they're all um, most of the people in it are all accomplished and Alan speaking of Alan Noel he's up for his first St. Louis Theater Circle directing award good because he directed his wife Lori in Brighton Beach Memoirs at uh, New Jewish did she get nominated too again 
she is a two-time St. Louis Theater Circle Award winner. And I will say, I saw her last week in, in uh, St. Louis Actors Studio's play called Annapurna, which Nick Offerman and Megan Mullally played on Broadway. Lori, it's two people. She is fantastic. She is a good actress. Fantastic. She's fantastic and a f- nice person. Right. And so, and Alan is too. So if you go see Flanagan's Wake, this isn't just a bunch of amateurs just doing it. And I hear the improv is what makes it. Yeah, because they take suggestions from the audience. And then <laughs> one woman wasn't playing along and she said no. And uh, Patrick said, uh, yes, and? <laughs> But she didn't know what that meant. Well, if you go to a show like that, it you actually got know. very dirty because someone yelled out. And I had something great to yell out, but I didn't do it. But it got dirtier and it was funnier the way because it got dirty. It, this is like a late night catechism, too. Yeah. Which also started in Chicago. Really? Yeah. Stealing Have always, you been to those? I, I've been to late night catechism. And my daughter was. Uh, Mary for the Christmas version of that. Oh, my daughter was the Virgin Mary uh, and the baby Jesus. <laughs> well, she wasn't the baby Jesus. That was her line, the baby Jesus. That's that that was it. But yes, so my daughter has been a Virgin Mary in a Christmas pageant. So well, that's quite the achievement of any Catholic girl. <laughs> and it my is. wife was very happy. It is because she had because that was one thing. Yes, sister. Because she was she goes to Catholic school, and so her saying yes, sister was second nature to her. And so everybody else is getting yelled at. She did not get yelled at. Well, very good. I mean, get yelled at. I ended the sentence in a preposition. I apologize for that, sister. So. Yeah, it's the late night catechism, and That's the funny. Christmas pageant is very well done too. And that that comes twice a year now to the Playhouse yes. at Westport. Yes, people and like I interviewed it. the nun, the, the head nun. She was quite the hoot. All right, so what's coming up next week? Not a lot. I, no, we're, we're not getting anything. Well, we have we have the Jane Austen Emma, Emma and then we have the remake of Invisible Man, and I guess it hasn't. That's been, Elizabeth Moss. Yeah, and that hasn't been around since Claude Rains in the fifties. No right? way. There's. There had to have been other invisible men. Well, and we're going to miss it because you have a hockey game and I have Blue's the band's visit. And I have the band's visit at the Fox. And um, oh, I wanted to mention this. I keep getting, e- nor- I'm on the Skyview in Belleville's email list. And they're having, uh, they had a lot of people retire from them. And so they're having, uh, if you want to work at the Skyview drive-in, they're going to be having, um, they're going to be having uh, open uh, not auditions, <laughs> they're having a job fair. And so if you want to work there, uh, go to the Skyview's website and find out about that. Oh, I always take every spring and take a picture of their uh, their iconic marquee. And you know what? They're opening up in March with A Quiet Place too, Which is, I hope it's good as good as the first one. So this movie, The Jesus Rolls, mm-hmm. which is the sequel to Big Lebowski, allegedly, or so, allegedly. Mm-hmm. it's John Turturro's character, uh, it was supposed to open in theaters February 28th, and maybe in other markets it would be opening in theaters. But some of the heavy hitters like Variety and Hollywood Reporter and that had already seen it. And it's getting mixed reviews. It's got a 59 on Rotten Tomatoes. And I ask our— That's misleading. I ask—well, I know. I ask our—because we're not on Rotten Tomatoes. I ask our uh, local uh, film PR dude, mm-hmm. and he said— it, it's not going to open here in St. Louis, but it may be streaming. Okay. And that's unfortunate because it has John Hamm, Susan Sarandon, Bobby 
Carnival. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I was looking forward to it. Well, but but it doesn't have the dude. It doesn't have the dude. And it doesn't have John Goodman. And it doesn't have, well, you wouldn't have Steve Buscemi anyway, because unless it's a flashback. Yes. Oh, no, I've just spoiled the big Lebowski well, for people. Well, a 1998 movie, which I did see at the theaters, and I laughed my head off, and I couldn't believe I how it was it not well I didn't get it the first well time. I had, to see, I had to see it again to get it. It is out there, but it is like, the it. you know, do I look like I'm married? Oh, the dude. And oh. he writes the checks for 38 cents for yeah. his half and half. So we have the Ben Affleck movie coming out March 6th, and that's the one that I'm really looking forward to let's hope let's that's hope. The, the way back the way back and didn't we see a way way back with sam that was, rockwell no, and, and steve, steve carell that was the way way back okay that's and then different. wasn't there one with colin farrell called the way back <laughs> i think so and then uh peabody and mr peabody and sherman the way back machine yes, yes. so i i wish they would have come up with a different title more than but likely. it's okay it's okay and then we have uh, at the box office this week Sonic the Hedgehog made $58 million. But I think Call of the Wild's going to beat it this weekend. And then Birds of Prey was second. The uh, Fantasy Island, which Tom Stockman says is a total stinker. Oh, that's too bad. And then The Photograph and Bad Boys for Life is still hanging in there at number five. I still want to see it. I, I still want to see it. So you can tell that this has been the winter of... But next number Our six, yeah. Next is uh, at number six is nineteen seventeen. Okay, with eight, so people are going to see it on the big screen. Go see Parasite instead, because that won and it was better. Despite what our president of the United States has to say about it, um, it is a good movie, and it we is. recommend it highly. And we like Brad Pitt. We don't think he's a little wise guy. <laughs> All right, Lynn, where record. can they find you? I'm on. In, I'm in the TimesNewspapers.com, which is West End Word, South County Times, and its flagship Webster Kirkwood Times. By the way, our owners are going to be inducted into the St. Louis Media Hall of Fame nice. in March. Yes, and then I'm on KTRS every. Thursday night with Ray Hartman for about 20 minutes in the 10 o'clock hour, usually 1030. And then we have our lovely podcast, Carl, yeah. usually with a guest. Yeah, that's all right. It's uh, the real time duo today. And yes. also, we uh, you can hear me um, all over the place. But and we thank Intercom for letting us uh, unknowingly use their studios today. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at underscore Carl the Intern. And everybody have a wonderful end of February. Happy Leap Day. Happy Leap Day birthday to my son, Charlie. Say goodbye, Lynn. Bye-bye.